everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the first episode of Riverdale Season 5, Climax. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, who is truly endgame, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how are you doing tonight? I feel lied to. I feel deceived. That, that was the climax of exactly nothing. What an annoying, bad episode. <laughs> but you know what it was? It was an episode that proved I am exactly halfway to winning our bet. <laughs> no, so. I, no, no, no. Our bet was about at the end of the third episode leading into the time shift. That is not. Yes, I, it I was. Said, I said within, within the three episodes, I said within no. the three oh episodes, we are going to have a breakup of Archie and Veronica, but not a breakup of Jughead and Betty. And you said it was the no, reverse. No, no, no. What I said was at the end of, when it goes into the time jump, that I think Archie and Veronica will be together and that Betty and Jughead will be broken up. Archie and Veronica could get back together in these three episodes and I would okay, still fine, be right. fine. But so far, I'm looking more promising. Well, and guess what? It was a bad episode, so they should be <laughs> listening to me. Man, I'm just so waiting for the day when you're going to come in and say that it was a good episode. I said it several times in season four. Okay. All right, fine. I liked that show for a while. This one's horrible. Okay. I disagree because here's where I disagree. Personally, I think that while we didn't get the discovery of who's been doing the tapes, I think we'll get that next episode. We did get prom and I thought it was going to be like tapes one episode, prom one episode, graduation. And so I'm actually glad that we got prom like out of the way in 15 minutes and don't even have to worry about it anymore because they could really have made that like be an entire episode. And I, I we've seen dances. It was nice to kind of just whoop, put it in, put it out. Easy That's peasy. not why I'm upset. I don't care about that. The whole Archie Veronica thing is so stupid and boring. Why do we need to see KO? Dumb. Everyone is just, ugh. I just hated everything about it. Well, okay. If you come into an episode and expect us to like the Archie plotline, that's just never gonna happen. But I didn't like any of the plotline. Like, I just thought the whole thing was stupid and bad. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think there were a lot of mistakes made by characters and I keep getting frustrated with characters from making the same mistakes, but maybe I I should stop being frustrated and just realize at least these characters are being consistent with their personalities. Like, yes, they never learn and they keep making the same mistakes. I'm looking at you, Jughead. At least, at least it's a, you know, that's what I come to expect of Jughead nowadays. Ugh, I just want to have fun. I thought that Riverdale was supposed to be good and fun and I am not having fun. I think that I am going to be excited when this show is one day over to do a full binge. (laughs) I think that will be fun. You could stop at for the show to one day be over. No, I'm not. I don't want the show to be over. It's just when I was watching this episode, it made me think about how I have binge watched seasons one and two. Seasons three and four we did on the podcast. And so my viewing experience is pausing literally every 10 seconds to take notes and not really getting to just sit back and enjoy the craziness. When you're constantly taking notes, it really feels like, you know, instead of getting to enjoy the dumb stuff, I'm just having to nitpick on it, all of it, which, yeah, that's, sorry, if, if we have any new fans who popped in for season five here, welcome. Please, I hope that this is the podcast that you were expecting, but if it's not the podcast you were expecting and you were hoping that we were just going to gush over how awesome this is, too bad, we're the only Riverdale podcast and you can't find anything else. <laughs> 
This is what you get. It's like, sorry, we actually have a Riverdale podcast at home in the fridge, so you don't get <laughs> but, to go But out. actually, I will say, like, our season one and even some of our season two coverage so far that we were going back and doing, we look at it with a lot more of, like, a happy, nostalgic eye because I think we, in general, even though Kirsten has memory loss on this subject, she liked season one as well. We have it on tape. We have you saying that you liked season one. I was lying, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, sure. And it's not like I, like, hate season one. I just don't think season one is, like, that good. But we know that this show can get better because season four was way better than season three. So. So here's the thing. This show is, of course, always going to be better watching it in a binge than watching it week to week. Like, even, like, disregarding the idea that we have to pay extra attention or, like, I guess theoretically I should Is pay our extra podcast attention. better in a binge as well? Ask Tom Palmer. Yeah, I should ask. <laughs> Tom, let us know. Yeah, is it better Tom. in a binge? Actually, Matt Ligori, you binged our podcast. Is it, is it good in a binge? <laughs> well, I mean, maybe Matt won't be listening anymore. Maybe he'll be like, uh, bye. We'll have to ask Matt if he's watching season five. I'm I don't know if he's sure caught up that. yet. I know he he maybe hasn't watched the premiere, but he definitely was done season four. Okay, great. This, you know, COVID has been hard on all of us, but I think it's been hardest on my memory of, I like completely forgot a lot of stuff that was happening with like Mr. Honey and and there are a couple plot lines that I know happened in season four, but like when I think of season four, I think Gargoyle King and that wasn't even season four. That was season three. What happened in season four? Season four was about Jughead faking his own death, oh, yeah. about Stonewall prep, about right. the videotapes, yeah, but what about was Archie the doing? FBI. Archie has been boxing and oh he um he opened up the community center for the kids to have a place to go where they don't have to do crime and then he had like had a rivalry with that gang guy and then I think Hiram killed that gang guy for him. Yeah, I think so. And then like they had the Thanksgiving Day hostage situation at the community center. Right. You're right. Season he was four dealing had some with his moments. dad's death. Yeah, I mix up season three and season four a lot, but okay, you're right. Season three was more off the walls. Season four, we did like, although I'm really, really tired of Archie's boxing, and I really hope this was the last time we ever had to see him box. I'm tired of Archie, but they keep putting him on the show. It's so rude. Okay, let's jump in with Archie since he's our first plot line that we're going to go through. We're going to talk about the Archie Veronica stuff. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, but found us for season five, again, welcome. We're a little heated right now, but it's premiere day. This is just how it is. I mean, this is what you'll get from me every time, just for the record. Right. I'm more of like the pro and Kirsten's more of the con for this. What is with all my podcasts just being pro con <laughs> podcast? Check out Twifight for a podcast with me being pro and me trying to convince Rachel to be pro and it's been a pretty easy job. Until one day. I can't wait till the day when you actually have to do a movie podcast. Oh, I'm really looking forward to that. Can't I'm really wait. looking forward to that. Okay, so back to Riverdale. Typically how we break this up is we separate out the plot lines and go through them one at a time because it kind of makes things more streamlined. We generally break them up by couple unless the couples have very divergent plots. This week it was pretty much Archie, Veronica together, Betty and Jughead together, and Tony and Cheryl together. Those were our three big plot lines here. Normally I start the show off with reading the Jughead voiceover, but there was none. I think they're on to me. Check out my Jughead voiceover podcast if you're interested in more than that. Mary, stop telling people you did that. <laughs> Kirsten's embarrassed of me. I'm, I'm not embarrassed of you. I'm concerned for you. Uh-huh. Sure. 
So Archie and Veronica is where we're going to start because Archie, we like to get him out of the way early. So Archie has his physical coming up for the Naval Academy this week. And oh my gosh. So Veronica finds the lyrics that Archie has just clearly left out on his desk. I'm honestly surprised Archie didn't title the song like Betty song or something or stick her name in there or talk about her blonde ponytail. They probably originally had the song called Betty and then Taylor Swift released folklore between this episode being written and filmed and they said, oh, can't have a song called Betty. (laughs) Yeah. So Veronica finds the song and assumes it's about her, but Archie refuses to play it for her. So she decides to just co-opt the song and like take it. This is not, like if I were him, I would get mad about this. He crumbles it up, throws it in the trash, and she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go garbage picking for this song. But this is, like, such a thing that's in lots of movies and TV shows and stuff. Like, you know, person paints a picture or writes, you know, plays a piece of music and then their significant other slash sister slash something decides that it's really good and enters it into a contest and they're like, look, you did well. And they're like, excuse me, I was really embarrassed about that and I really didn't want to be the center of attention in this way and I didn't really feel comfortable putting this out there. Like, even if this song was about Veronica, I think that she is not not in the right for taking it and playing it publicly, even though it may be Archie's best song. (laughs) I mean, the bar is not high there. She likes the idea of Archie getting back into music. I have written here most disgusting kiss ever because Archie is so sweaty and she goes in to kiss him. I'd be like, "Mm mm-mm, like you're getting sweat on your own face from doing that. That's disgusting. It was, Kate, that was so gross too because I feel like that whole interaction was so awkward, so uncomfortable. I did not believe that Archie had any interest in Veronica as a person. And then I guess he realizes that he's being weird. So he's just like, pulls her, oh, too bad. Was hoping you would shower with me and like kisses her goodbye. It's so gross. It doesn't feel real. I actually really liked that Archie is very like transparently not comfortable in this relationship with Veronica anymore. I like that we get to see that because I do think it's pretty real. I feel like Veronica, why aren't you reading the signs? But at the same time, I felt like some of her interactions with Archie seemed to be the most genuine and real we get from her as a character. When normally she's just like, oh, Archie. Archiekins, like it always seems so for show. And some of the parts, like when she's singing the song to him, seem very showy. But other times when she's just like talking to Ko about him, and it, like she seems very real and coupley. And I actually like that. It's like some of the best Veronica we've seen. She, made, she really made me believe that her as a character liked Archie as a character in this episode. Yeah, I I do agree with that. And especially too, like with some parts that that come up later, made it feel super believable too. It just was uncomfortable though. Like that was an uncomfortable moment. Yes, for sure. Then we get a little bit of this side story that we have with Hiram having some disease that's killing him. I can't remember. I think it was like a bone or a muscle disease. It was some sort of degenerative condition is really what we know. I think it was muscular. And so he literally says that his doctor thinks that he's beating this disease and we get a flashback of his quote unquote new workout regime, which is him beating up random dudes like it was this a flashback to something that happened in last season or is this just like he's now being a vigilante and going out there and beating up random dudes who are literally wearing black ski masks like we've seen Hiram fight people in the past that's not new but we've definitely not seen like what this scene was which felt like it was out of completely nowhere he's got his brass knuckles on and he is just punching people like he's being Archie just punching people uncontrollably he really is so this 
this really made me feel like, wow, Archie and Hiram are the same person. And also, Hiram is a punchaholic now, too. I mean, Hiram has always had violent tendencies. This is not new. Yeah. So Archie is having this sort of meet and greet with the commandant of the Naval Academy. I don't think that this is how people get into the Navy. So this is not the Navy. It's the Naval Academy. And I had a friend who went to the Naval Academy. And that's, it's a university. And you go there for school for four years. And then mm-hmm. you join the Navy afterwards. So it's like, it's it's a very prestigious, like, naval. It's, a, it's like a prestigious school to go to. So, like, here, the way it works if you're going to, like, the military college is you join the military first. And then you're assessed to see if you're allowed to go to the college thing. Like, it's not done like this. So it's very foreign to me. I'm not sure if you join the Navy first to go. I mean, I would assume you probably do. I think, like, by going to the Naval Academy, you have to meet all the requirements to join the Navy because you're going to be expected to serve. But, like, you, there's also other ways of go, joining the Navy without going to the Naval Academy. Th- then that doesn't make any sense because Archie isn't qualified for the top way of doing no, anything. No, for sure. It doesn't really make any sense. And it's clearly because of his mom's girlfriend who has an in. Does she work at the Naval Academy? I, I don't really remember what's going on. She was in the Navy oh, yeah. or something. I forgot her she name, too. She had connections. What's her name? Like, Sarah? Emily? Um, something. Well, they met at Sarah Lawrence. So right. it wasn't Sarah. Shoot. You're right. Or was it Sarah Florence, right? Or wait, which Sarah one? Florence. Which, Sarah whichever Florence. Whichever one's the fake one. Yeah, that yeah. one. I forgot her name. Anyway, so she she was in this episode, but she didn't speak or anything. So Archie's talking to this guy, and he's like, yeah, Archie, you're pretty cool and all, except that there's this other guy, K.O. Kelly, who is basically equal to you in every way, and so we're going to have a box off. Well, that, that's not what they decided at first. They were like, you're equal in every other way to this other new recruit. And then Veronica goes, well, why don't they do an exhibition match to determine who gets in? Yeah, first off, I feel like there is absolutely no way that these two guys are equal in every way. They seem extremely different. K.O. Kelly probably, like, actually finished high school and, you know... Well, I don't know about that. Well, okay, maybe not. But does K.O. Kelly own two businesses? <laughs> like Archie does? Which oh my god. Veronica makes sure to drop at the beginning of this conversation. With K.O., I can give a little bit of insight yeah, give us because some I backstory. did watch three episodes of Katie Keene. And this was, it was a big reminder that Riverdale happens before Katie Keene. Because in Katie Keene, it's like the end of the first episode or second episode, K.O. and Katie break up. Oh, because that's like five years in the future, right? Yeah, because they had been together for like six years or something. And they break up at the start of the series. So when Veronica's like, oh my god, he's only dating my best friend in the world, Katie Keen. I was like, what? No, they broke up. And I was like, oh, right. This is in the past. So he's just like, he is known for being a boxer. He does end up doing that as his career is boxing. He's just like a lovable dope. He's very committed to Katie. He asks her to marry him, which is what prompts her to break up with him. I liked him from this. I was like, I I haven't seen Katie Keen yet. I probably will one day, even though you said it's boring. There are so many better things for you to watch with your, like, it's so, it's just boring. I, I mean, it's, behind Sabrina and Nancy Drew for me because I want to watch both of those first. I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think that like if this is what we're getting from people from Katie Keene joining in with this show, I'm fine with it. But K.O. seems cool. I like him. I think his name is ridiculous. There's absolutely no way that his name is actually K.O. I searched the internet trying to figure out what it stands for and I cannot find anything. I think, so I think, I actually think it's just a nickname because he's such a good boxer. But like what is his real name? They, nothing. Nothing from Katie Keene. 
comics, nothing from Katie Kane the show. I could not find an answer to, I saw several people asking, but I could not find what KO stands for. Anyway, so yeah, this is not how people go to college. This is not how they get into school. You don't just have exhibition matches. And also, why is it fair that they get to fight at Archie's gym? Just doesn't seem like an even trade. I mean, I don't think that there's any kind of like specific benefit to boxing in a specific ring. No, but I'm just like, why does Archie get to say, hey, come here and like they have to fly him up from Queens or bus him or because whatever. Because KO doesn't own a business, okay? okay? fair. So they're not equal in every way. So he shows up and Archie's like, yeah, I'll drive you to the gym. Oh, you can stay at my house. I was really afraid that KO and Archie were gonna like butt heads and Archie was gonna be super rude to him. But actually, they like seem to be perfectly nice pals. I actually believe their friendship more than I believe like Archie and Jughead who never hang out. Yeah, because they're two boring meatheads. Exactly. It made sense to me. And so that I like got scared for a second because there's a scene where you see KO like working out at the gym and Mr. Keller is like, you need to do psychological warfare, which is not actually what Archie ends up doing because I was afraid he was going to like start being really mean to KO for no reason. But instead, we just have a montage of them doing like sit-ups and push-ups and stuff to see that Archie is quote unquote <laughs> pound for pound stronger and, than and KO. And it's so dumb because you know that they were like, listen. Listen, we need at least four and a half minutes of shirtless content in this episode. So here's what we're going to do. I do not believe that Archie did that many pull-ups. I don't believe it. I don't believe he did that many push-ups. I don't believe any of it. Like they're, every single scene starts with Archie being like 151. 152. Shut up. No, you didn't. And then at the end, even when Archie's like all proud of himself that he's proven his point that pound for pound he's stronger, Kayla's was like, well, you're right. You've got endurance, but just wait till we're in the ring and like actually has a practical sense of things rather than Archie who's like, I just tired myself out the day before the big fight. Aren't I smart? Best case scenario, the dude's like, oh shoot, Archie's a little better than he's not going to be as easy as I thought he would. I guess I'll really have to focus now, what you probably want to do psychologically is make KO think that it's going to be a really easy fight and then actually come out swinging and KO's like, oh shoot, I wasn't prepared for this. You want to hustle them, not reverse hustle that. This didn't make any sense. Sheriff Keller, who I will continue to call Sheriff Keller forever, (laughs) says do psychological warfare and Archie's like, let me tire myself out and show him exactly what I'm capable of. What the, as if those tactics are going to be useful to him in the Navy. Come on. This is, this is so bad. Anyway, at least KO has a normal ass reaction to the fact that Veronica owns a speakeasy and he's like, her what? That was nice. Appreciate it. Like, I like it when people come from out of town and they realize how ridiculous Riverdale is. So they go to the speakeasy. Everyone's there. They're having a good time. I'm not really sure what the, um, what is the need for this celebration? Is this some kind of event? Is it just welcome KO to town? I don't even think it's an event or occasion. I think it's just like, it's the night at the speakeasy and this is what we do on Tuesdays. Yeah, everybody's really dressed up. Okay, so I'm not gonna sing it, but I'm gonna read the lyrics to the song that Veronica sings. There's no warning when everything changes. You let down your guard and I saw something strange. I thought he's not made for this world and neither am I. Cause you make me want to be stronger than I am. And maybe I'm reaching this place in a feeling there's no yeah that's what it says and maybe i'm reaching this place in a feeling there's no way to know but to try so give me tonight tonight i do think she sings it well even though it's like not a good song and kind of fades out after that because this is you know one quarter of a song i would like to counter that actually with a stanza of lyrics from betty by taylor swift 
<laughs> sure, go for it. Betty, I know where it all went wrong. Your favorite song was playing from the far side of the gym. I was nowhere to be found. I hate the crowds. You know that. Plus, I saw you dance with him. I feel like any song sounds worse when you say it like that, but Archie's are truly yeah. trash. I mean, this is look a long way coming from beckoning and reckoning. So I think this is good. I mean, has it? Has it come a long way? The way that Veronica's saying it, yeah, it has. Okay, number one. So wait, wait, wait. So the songwriting has changed not at all, but having an actual good singer sing the song is the only difference. Yeah, because we didn't get very far into Archie singing it when he tried to sing it for Betty. She kind of cut him off. She was like, we're not doing this. Yeah, we're not doing this. Okay, so here's some thoughts I had while this was happening. Veronica appears to be like staring into Archie's soul while she's singing this because she's singing it for him. She should really notice the kind of shifty looks Archie is giving Betty throughout the song and also the fact that Archie is not like swooning over this. Yeah, Archie is the way that he is acting is like how I imagined I'm sorry to make this all about Twilight but when reading Twilight, the first like biology class when Edward is like leaned away from Bella and like gripping the desk and being really weird, that's kind of how Archie is acting like leaning away, like gripping the table but like then looking at Betty and it's so, like it's so strong of a reaction and it couldn't possibly be misconstrued as like, oh he is enjoying this experience Experience. Yeah, this whole episode is like a slow motion car crash of their relationship because Veronica just does not see it coming and she's like all in and he is really not doing a good job selling that he's in. I do think he's like somewhat conflicted. Uh, I don't know. They go back to his house after another awkward exchange where he does, he forgets to say I love you to Veronica. But Archie and Keiko go back to his house where they're having a slumber party and Ko is like, hey, why'd you want to be in the Naval Academy? And Archie says that he thought it'd be a good place to start over. And Ko, who's super adorable is like, oh, but not start completely over, right? Like Katie says that you and Veronica are in it to win it, which is a weird thing to say for Katie who has never met Archie and wouldn't know if they were in it to win it or not. Katie knows about the relationship only from Veronica and from Veronica's perspective. What's weird to me is that Ko is making it obvious that Veronica talks about the ins and outs of her relationship with Katie who then passes it all along to Ko. That's a weird game of of telephone. I think that should be expected. I think it's a little weird that K.O. admits to this or like says it out loud. K.O. shouldn't bring that up. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is like if I had a friend who I knew very well and I talked to all the time and they were telling me about their significant other and talking about how great they were, etc. I might be like, yeah, they sound nice. I'm not going to be like, oh, it sounds like you guys are in it to win it until I meet them and like decide that for myself. I'm not going to base it all on one perspective. I just don't think that he has any place making any statement on this relationship. True. But I do think it comes from a good spot because Archie is like, I feel like I'm holding Veronica back, which maybe is a true thing that he feels. I do think that like that potentially it's a very boy martyr, my life is going nowhere, she's too good for me kind of perspective, which I think is possible. It's weird when you think of like the fact that Archie season one started as like the golden boy in town and he was perfectly happy getting Veronica and like felt like they were a pretty equal couple. Times have turned where Archie has no self-esteem and he uh, doesn't think that he deserves her. 
Despite the fact that, like, her dad tried to kill him multiple times. I mean, I think that Archie with no self-esteem is, like, Archie with a more accurate worldview. It's true. Like, I, I don't disagree with Archie, Archie's stance here, but I don't think it's it's clearly not the whole reason, right? Like, he doesn't feel like he'd be holding Betty back. He, even though she also is too good for him, I think that he's using this as a public excuse, even though I do think it's, like, partially true. I think that even if he felt this, if he was still super in love with Veronica and and had never thought about the potential with Betty, then this would not be happening. So, I don't know. Anyway, K.O. again is cute, and he's like, oh, well, you know, that's for her to decide if she's, if you're holding her back or not. Like, we just gotta realize how lucky we are to have such good girls. Which is, like, kind of cute, but also I was just like, bleh. Yeah. Anyway, I have a question about this episode. Uh-huh. We didn't see Archie's mom at their house. Right. For, like, this sleepover. I assume she stays there. I just thought it was weird that we didn't get a scene of her being like, welcome to our home. Maybe it was a deleted scene. You know, there's a lot of stuff we didn't get. Like, it, we didn't hear her girlfriend talk at all. And I, I wish we did because I forgot her name. I'll have to look that up later. I really feel like it was, like, Emily or Molly or something. It's probably not Molly. That would be confusing. That'd be way too confusing for me. Sasha. Her girlfriend is Brooke. Wow, okay, I was off. Brooke. Cool. So her and Brooke, they are... I mean, they were probably just there, right? I assume that they're hanging out. It's not like they have a different house. I guess. I just think... I And I guess they did this before, too. Like, with Luke Perry, like, not being there all the time. But I think they did a better job of integrating him into the yes. show. Yes. I mean, they've done a better job integrating all of the parents into the show. This was a very parent-light episode. And we got the most from Hiram and Hermione out of all the parents. Okay. So, then we have the boxing match, which is going to be intercut with another scene later on in the episode. But honestly, I was not paying attention. How am I supposed to care about yet another fight with Archie and some guy? Like, this is, like, the 20th one we've seen on the show. It was so boring. Like, Archie's bleeding. K.O.'s tired. They had, like, a million breaks. It was, like, even when it ended, it didn't even feel like the end of, a, of like, a match. It was just like, okay, okay, it's over, it's over. I was like, but why? I couldn't tell who was winning. And I think that was intentional because it does come down down to a tie-breaking vote. Like, the two actual judges couldn't decide who won. Which, like, isn't there a specific points system in boxing where it would be, like, this person empirically got more points than this person? I don't think that in an actual boxing match, the judges are just watching and they're like, hmm, I think today this person... Like, there's a way to know who wins. And they just disregarded that for dramatic effect. Yeah, it all seemed very arbitrary. KO wins, and... Archie is just like completely flips on a dime and he's like, all right, well, no more boxing, uh, not going to the Naval Academy, even though the Commandant is super nice and is like, hey, just apply again in the fall, meaning that he would only be like one semester off of everyone else, I assumed, like apply for the spring semester, right? The Commandant is so nice and is like, you've got a lot to offer and I want to make this work for you. We don't have a spot for you for the fall, but if you apply in the fall, then you could come. Right, and then he's even so nice that when Archie snaps at him, he's like, it's okay. I know you're just like hot-headed because you just lo- are hot-blooded because you just lost yeah. the match. And Archie's like, no, I'm literally never talking to you again. Bye. And I was like, wow, why why did you Imagine to talking to an adult like that when you were like 16. And I swear if we find out in the next couple episodes or like after the break that Archie somehow went to the Navy or the Naval Academy, I'm going to be like, no, this is the military. They do not stand for disrespect like that. Like th- that's the entire... Anyway. So- the 
thing that also is so frustrating is he he's just like like what are what else are you gonna do Archie like and the other thing too just normalize people not going to college right after high school like who cares if someone's one year behind in their like what like in the end they'll probably end up ahead if they take time to figure out what they want to do it's just so stupid he should spend a year at high school graduating yeah at least another semester this uh, it would have made so much more sense oh and so after the fight Archie is like obviously very upset and this was the moment that made me feel like okay no like this actually really feels like Veronica likes Archie when she's like we don't have to go to prom like we could just go do something just the two of us like that's what matters what do you want to do like she's being very sweet with him even though he's being a total dick she was being uncharacteristically like very selfless and just like it doesn't matter my senior prom not a big deal and I actually really thought this was gonna be the moment where Archie decides to break up with her and like I thought he was gonna snap at her and then they were going to you know be in a fight or whatever right before prom I'm actually also very pro Archie in this scene because he really cools down he's like he's not rude to her at all neither of them even talk about what just happened with the match or anything he's just like no no senior prom's important it's the last time we all get to be together we should really go do this and I thought that was really nice because even if he was planning on breaking up with her like at least he's going to give her prom first and like you know keep it together so I I do think that was that was good of him I mean maybe that's a controversial opinion maybe people think like if you're gonna break up with someone do it right away but I'd still rather be dumped after prom than before prom it's just hard right when it comes up to it's the day of prom because conventional wisdom would be like well don't go through this prom and then for years or whatever later she's gonna be like oh well I don't have any happy memories of prom because I got dumped like right after (sighs) maybe but it's like what she's not gonna form happy memories of prom if she gets dumped right before either like they're both kind of in a lose-lose I think in the moment at least she would get to enjoy the dance I don't know tell me what you think in in the comments I'm curious to know what people's thoughts on that pre-prom or post-prom breakup all I know is I've never been dumped before prom but I went through a breakup very shortly not quite right before but like a couple weeks before this really big trip that I was supposed to go on with school like a multi like a four-day field trip with these people that I had only signed up for because my boyfriend convinced me to do it and I was paying a lot of money to go there and none of my other friends were going and so they broke up with me like two or three weeks before and I couldn't get out of it and so I still had to go and it ended up being okay and like looking back on it now I like can realize that I had some good time but I would have rather gone on the trip with us still being together and then him dump me right when we get back because I would have enjoyed the trip itself more like if I'm gonna look back on it regardless being annoyed with it I'd rather have had fun at the actual time look back and be like the trip was fun wasn't fun after but now I'm like oh that trip was just a thing that I had to get Hmm. through it's fair I've never been in the situation so I can't yeah we'll see to it okay let's talk about Cheryl and Tony pretty short here Cheryl wants to be prom queen there's a really random scene where Tony says that she wants to be the serpent queen again was she ever the serpent queen Betty has been the serpent queen Betty's been the serpent queen the entire time Tony was a serpent right but Tony was not like in line to be the serpent queen as far as I can tell the serpent queen is just the significant other of whoever's the serpent king yeah I I don't think it's like a like a a role really I I yeah I think and based on Betty's involvement with the serpents I think it is all you know honorary yeah exactly I don't know it's confusing so maybe that'll be a thing that happens either in the next couple episodes or the time jump more likely it was a random throwaway line that we will never come back to again yeah I eh, I don't think it matters so there's like the weird scene where Kevin was like gonna sign up fangs to be prom king and it's like and then Cheryl was like 
like, no, you can't. And I want to circle back to this later because I have a thought on this that's, I think, very weird. Yeah, I don't know why we needed that except to just throw Kevin in for a second and just be like, he's a character. Remember him? He's he's dating yeah. things. We never officially said it, but they are. Yay. Whatever. So Cheryl talks to Tony and she's like, hey, I'd like to host a dinner before the dance. And Tony assumes it's going to be their friends. But Cheryl's like, nah, it's going to be with our families, especially your family, because I want to get our families together, which is like a sweet thought from Cheryl, except who's her family? I guess just her grandmother. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, do people, Penelope is like technically out and about, but is like a criminal, right? I don't think she's out and about. I think she's being hidden by, at the Maple Club. Oh yeah. She's hidden at the Maple Club, but like she's not in jail or right. anything. She really should be though. <laughs> she killed multiple oh, people. Yeah. She killed a lot of people. She killed a lot of people. She should definitely be there. She killed Hal. She tried to kill Betty, Archie, Veronica, and uh, the other one. Who am I missing? Jughead? Jughead? <laughs> yeah. She killed her husband. She, I mean, she killed lots of people. Yeah, she killed what a lot of people. What happened to the other Blossom guy? What happened to, um, did he die? What, which Blossom? The which other one? one? The, the brother, the secret brother, secret twin brother. What happened to him? Didn't, did, Hi- did Hiram Is he kill the him? one that Cheryl and Tony killed and dumped in the river? Or was that a different no, uncle? No, that was a different uncle. <laughs> I forgot they killed him too. Man, there's so many murders. Everybody's killed everybody. Everybody's killed I think everybody. Kevin might be the only one who hasn't actually killed killed anyone i think we discussed this in the killing mr honey episode where like they've all we de- buried we bodies we definitely did yeah because m- pretty much all of them have experience in has hiding a body. veronica killed anyone uh that guy that you lit on right, fire <laughs> what about archie has he directly killed anyone i mean he i don't think he has pulled the trigger but he's been directly responsible for people dying. yeah Fair. Okay. Betty Jugov definitely killed people. Okay. <laughs> so, and they've definitely, well, they've definitely buried bodies at the very least. All right. And Tony is like, no, because I don't want my grandmother to meet you. And I forget, I could have sworn that last season we had a subplot where Tony came out to somebody in her family and they were not supportive. Did I make that up? Was that a different show? It might have been a different show I was watching. I I think that that was a different show. I think you were probably watching um season three, episode seven of Glee where Santana comes out yes, to her grandmother. that's what it was. I was watching Glee at the same time. Wait, that's season three, episode seven? I was like, I yes, have... I know because I was on choir See, room for was that like, one. I was like, I have this memory of me sometime last year watching a show where there was a girl who, but like, she she was like super wanting to make sure that her grandmother appreciated that she came out to her and then her grandmother like disowned her. Oh, that was, oh, you're right. It was Glee. Man, okay, thanks. Thanks for, that was gonna bug me. I got a head like a steel trap baby. Tony's grandparents are apparently chill with her, but we find out that her grandmother is really upset that she's dating a Blossom, which actually, like, makes a lot of sense because remember back in early season two with General Pickens and Pickens Day in the park, the statue that Jughead decapitated or somebody did, Tallboy decapitated the statue? This was a whole thing and it was, like, there was a guy named Pickens who was, like, a Blossom or Cheryl wanted to change Pickens into a statue of a Blossom because the Blossom guy, then she found out that the Blossom guy like actually stole the Pickens Park land from the Southside Serpents or like the the tribe. I gotta tell you right now that I remember none of that, but it does make sense and I can't wait to rewatch it for the season two stuff. Has Tony always like been supposed to be an indigenous person? Her grandfather, who we have met before because Jughead interviewed him in that episode, 
episode was like, yeah, look, I'm going to look this up. This is a thing. I want to make sure I get this right. I fully believe you. I just don't remember okay any let me it. let me look up let me look up this tony topaz backstory thomas topaz in season two was one of the founding members of the serpents he's of he's a descendant of the yuktana which is apparently not a real native american tribe but mm-hmm. oh but a yuktana is the name of a horned serpent from cherokee myths so that's interesting and tony tells jughead stories about how the founders of riverdale and the pickens stole their land leading to the formation of the serpents so this is a gang that was interesting. Okay. So we've never heard anything about her parents though. Just her grandparents. I'm not really sure what the deal with her parents is. It makes sense why her grandmother doesn't like Cheryl, except actually it's like, I get why you don't like the blossoms, but I don't really get why you're like so anti like a kid blossom who like has already emancipated herself from her family. I think it's just like a matter of principle. And like, you can say that Cheryl emancipated herself from her family, but she lives in the family home with her grandmother. She lives in her grandmother's home. Oh, whatever. That's the family yeah. home. We like to pretend on the show that Nana Blossom is somehow also not a horrible murderer, but she also is a horrible murderer. Who did Who did Nana Blossom murder? She murdered the, um, okay, hold on. It has to do with the Black Hood. <laughs> It was like, okay, here's what happens. Long time ago, Lewis Cooper, who is actually related to Nana Blossom, which is confusing. So Lewis Cooper, who's Hal's father, Betty's grandfather, he goes out and he murders the Conway family who lives by the edge of Fox Forest. The town is super mad about this mass murder. Little boy Hal goes to school with Joseph Svensson, who's the kid who escaped from the Conway family because there was a fifth fifth family member. That's the little kid. He goes to school. This is the video that we get that we're actually going to see in this episode of Hal's mom being like, hey, you're going to talk to the kid and the kid is supposed to like go to a police lineup and point out the person who's who killed his family. Make sure that he doesn't point out daddy, okay? Make sure that he doesn't point to daddy. So Joseph Svensson points out on the advice of Hal Cooper an innocent guy and says that they're the murderer and then Nana Blossom and four other men, including the actual murderer, Lewis Cooper, kill that guy. So whether or not like Nana Blossom was directly the one who killed the innocent man that they bury. We don't know, but she was involved. She was part of the like town mob, basically, who is also coincidentally including the actual murderer. It's a weird story. I forgot all about it. Okay, nobody cares. Let's move on. That was a lot. So basically, Tony is like, Cheryl, why did you tell my grandmother that we're dating? And Cheryl's like, I assumed that it was because she wasn't cool that we were a couple. And now it turns out that it's actually about my parentage. I'm really sorry about this. Hope we can still go to prom. And Tony's like, yeah, we can still go to prom. I thought that was a really interesting interesting twist because like they have already done the whole like Cheryl's family not approving of her dating women like the conversion therapy plot line so it was cool to see look this is a lesbian couple and the issue is not that they are lesbians it is about the specific woman that their daughter or granddaughter is dating I thought that was at least something different than what we normally see on these shows I thought it was good okay let's talk about Betty and Jughead So let's. This is like from season four, episode 19, Killing Mr. Honey. The last thing we knew was that Betty and Jughead had watched a video that was of them and their friends basically acting out a scene that Jughead had written in his book, Killing Mr. Honey, and that it was of them all killing Mr. Honey. First things first, we find out right at the beginning of this episode, Mr. Honey is not actually dead. So yay. Snaps for that. We're glad. Thank God. What's made even more confusing about this, I feel like I need to watch the last episode of season four again because 
because I think we thought throughout that that there was like scenes that they were actually doing and now it seems like pretty much everything including them going to the cabin was actually made up yeah no it was that was all Jughead's bad yeah I just kind of like confused some of that in my mind where I thought like that it was real because Jughead is like yeah it's so weird we we wrote this book it included a fictionalized version of this actual cabin that this guy has actually been filming videos in they kind of like predicted not the future but the present which is super weird and he says that the only people who knew about this story were him and Betty unless he's being watched or hacked because he typed it on his computer. Didn't he submit the story somewhere? Wasn't it like part of his essay though? Like couldn't... Yeah, I do think that it was a story that was submitted to something, but also... I think maybe they tweaked isn't it. Isn't he still using the laptop that Brett bought him which like obviously has key logging software on it and that just like never got resolved? Yeah, that's also definitely a thing because Brett has already stolen work from him in the past, so... Yeah, like it's 100% still an issue shoe because he never got his old laptop back and like I guess there's no one who could buy him a new one. The thing that I thought that was very funny about this is they find a bunch of ticket stubs and they say BV on them and Betty that narcissistic oh my god goes like Betty and Veronica shut up Betty shut up. Yeah they're like no obviously not it's for blue velvet. Like if anything it would have a J for Jughead if this was going to be yeah, a thing. Yeah, but also, this is, like, thing number one of a whole trail of just, like, coincidences isn't even the right word. Things that they have a hunch on that they just kind of go with, and they assume, ticket stub, it has a BMV on it, must be Blue Velvet Video. Why? Blue Velvet Video is not a place that we have any knowledge of them, like, showing movies. Now, it turns out to be true, but there's no reason why this was Blue Velvet Video. It was so... I get okay. We'll get to that. We'll we'll get to it. They see oh BV blue velvet and they bring in David, who's the store owner, who is getting interviewed by the FBI, but he is not saying a word. Is that how the FBI works? You can get like interviewed by them and they just refuse to say anything and then just get let go and go back to your job? If you have been brought in by the authorities for an interview, if you're not being charged with a crime, they can't hold you if they don't have anything to charge you with. That's true of but anything. But he's not like being compliant with them either. Yeah, but he doesn't have to tell them anything if he's not being charged with something. And if he was being charged with something, the right thing to say is, I would like to wait for a lawyer to be present. See, this is why I can't commit any crimes, because I would just cop to it immediately. <laughs> you would go in and you would be like, hi, yes, um, I accidentally put my bulk candy in as jujubes instead of the actual jelly bellies that I purchased. I saved $7 and I would like to pay it back. Thank you. Meanwhile, I'd be like, am I being charged with anything, officer? <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes, I did, in fact, sneak my own popcorn into the movie theater. It's not popcorn. Okay, that's the one thing that doesn't make any sense to me to sneak into the movies because movie theater popcorn is so much better than any other popcorn. Okay, I agree. But as a high school oh, student- Oh, you're gonna tell me about the Target popcorn again, aren't you? It was only a dollar. And I, yeah, I wanted pre-popped popcorn. I didn't want to like bring in a bag of unpopped popcorn. I wasn't gonna pop it at home. But the dollar Target popcorn, yeah, it's not as good <laughs> as the $11 movie theater popcorn, but I saved 10 bucks. Well, I didn't have the option of getting Target popcorn popcorn because we did not 
have Target. I can't even eat popcorn And when popcorn we had Target, right there was no popcorn. <sighs> oh, yeah. You just got your wisdom teeth I know. Out. I'm so upset. I really want to eat popcorn. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. God. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what was happening with this scene. Betty, quote, unquote, follows another hunch and, like, is questioning the secretary, Mrs. Bell. And she's like, I'm sorry. Are you asking me if I made any snuff films? Like, no. Like, what is this... <laughs> lead and then it's just to show us that mr weatherby is back what was that about why do we care is he the big bad if he's not the big bad what's the point it's also so stupid to like what betty's just gonna go around and ask people if they make snuff films because let me tell you if someone is making a snuff film they're not gonna tell you that that's what they're doing oh yeah i i have a whole section on betty and jughead's investigative skills mr weatherby is back i don't think that a person in the previous year got brainwashed by a cult leader and joined a cult and left a school and then cut, got his finger cut off or something? I don't really know what that was about. I don't think that person would be invited back to watch over children. I have to tell you right now, I thought that Mr. Weatherby was dead. When Mr. Weatherby walked in the door, I was like, what? Well, he was supposed to die because what's, what's her name? Evelyn was supposed to drive the bus of Farmies off a cliff, including Mr. Weatherby. I thought he was dead. To me, he's been dead for over a year. So when he popped back up, I was very confused. There's a lot of a lot of confusing bits about this. Anyway, he's back. Maybe we'll see more of him in the next couple episodes. Maybe he'll be in the in the flash forward. I don't know. So Jughead is like, let's go talk to Brett since we know that he has an in with David. So they go to prison and talk to Brett and Jughead basically gets him to spill all his secrets super easily because he says, I have a friend named War Baby. Do we know War Baby? Okay. I have never heard the words War Baby before in my life. Honestly, I don't even believe that they actually happened in this episode. I think War Baby was one of the kids who was in Shankshaw with Archie. Oh, maybe. So he's in actual prison now? No. So my guess was that War Baby was a serpent who's been in jail for years. And so like Jughead can just invoke the name War Baby and then it'll scare anyone who's in prison because they're probably like very fierce. Side note, War Baby, all I can think of is War Dog from survivor edge of extinction so war baby was in one episode which episode season two episode 15 apparently jughead and fp went to prison to talk to him much like they just did with brett and got some kind of inside scoop about hiram that's all we know anyway yeah he apparently hates oh is that when the guy was like dead in the bathtub or whatever no that was season one what that was season yeah one? that was like did we already podcast yeah about we that? did we did that was mustang i think oh yeah i know you're right huh yeah. Okay. I have no recollection of War it's, Baby. Yeah, it's fine. It, it just doesn't seem that important. But also, when I see it written down, I want to be like, War Baby! War Baby! <laughs> War Baby, who apparently hates preppies, and Jughead can just, like, sick him on Brett at any time. So Brett tells them that there are underground screenings held up the Blue Velvet, and that they need to go prove to David they're the quote-unquote real deal in order to get a ticket. I'm just gonna say real quick, this is some BS, because we find a lot of kids at this rave who did not prove to this guy that they were the real deal. Brett pulled an elaborate prank on <laughs> Betty and Jughead here. And it's so fun. Like, all I can think of is Brett is tucking himself in on his prison cot or bunk or whatever that night. And he is just smiling from ear to ear. Like, at the very least, they have to make a fake snuff film, if not a real one. I, I just wrote down, this is a super dumb idea. Because here's my thought. If I go to prison I'm, and the guy's like, yeah, you 
want to find out more info, you need to go to this screening, but only certain people can get in. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try to find someone who knows about the screening and sneak in. I thought they might break into Blue Velvet and figure out the date and time of this thing and then just go dress up in costumes and sneak in and get Veronica to come and be like, my daddy owns the town. I deserve a ticket. I thought they were just going to try to break into the club, but instead they're like, no, let's make a snuff film, which a fake, a fake snuff, snuff film. film, which would be so hard to make and obviously bad. They said, let's put Cheryl in the worst wig of them all. Is it worse? It's a bad wig. <laughs> Is it worse than Monica Posh, though? Yes. <laughs> Hold on. Let me consult my sticky note. Riverdale wigs. Best. Tony as Harley Quinn. The Clifford Blossom wig. The Betty wig. And then I have AJ Kappa as Mary. No idea what that means. Monica Posh is the worst. So where are we slotting in Cheryl's snuff wig? It's the worst one. Okay, it is pretty bad. It looked like roadkill on her head. Cheryl's so snuff bad. wig. It was bad. I... Okay, it's fine. Riverdale Wigs sticky note has been updated. Someone remind me what the heck AJ Kappa as Mary Andrews means. And I don't Does I don't Does he ever dress up as his mom? No, but also why does it say AJ Kappa? That's not a thing. I don't know. Oh, because I I misspoke that time. Okay. Anyway, so they film somewhere. I think this might be the catacombs of Thistle House where they used to keep DBJ, Dead Body Jason. Oh, I think God. this might be where this is. It's either that or the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. It's probably the same set regardless that they keep using. Anyways, it's creepy and they do like- They get Reggie to be the murderer also. Reggie's just like down for whatever. Reggie's like, yeah, you need me to tickle some people? Down. You need me to be in a fake snuff film? I'm down. You just have to pay Reggie and he will show up. Yeah, whereas Cheryl, they had to be like, remember, this is the same guy who showed that video, you know, of your dad killing Jason. This is like the 10th time she's used that to get Cheryl to do something. Can you stop bringing up the trauma of Cheryl's life to get your way, Betty? No, but she will never stop doing that. She's so bad. They make like the worst video ever. And then Betty and Kevin go to the Blue Velvet to sell the film. And now I thought that Betty couldn't have any association with this because why did they need Kevin to be there? I don't know why. I think they didn't want Betty to go alone. I think Jughead just wanted someone to go there and protect her. I'm like, I get why Jughead can't go because Jughead, Jughead, let me just tell you, the reason you can't go to this store is because you keep just barging in and like accusing people of being murderers. But little did he know. He keeps calling the name of this video maker the auteur. Stop calling him the auteur. We need to give him a better name. Yeah, that was new. That's new, right? I think they said it like once at the end of season four, like in the Honey episode or the one before that. Well, they said it too many times it, in this They said episode. it so many times in this episode and I do not like Ugh, that name. the auteur. Ugh, the auteur. Ho, ho, ho. Shut up, Jughead. Yeah, like like acting like he's some, he's just, call him like the, the stalker. Let's call him a stalker. Because that's what he is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the harasser. Yeah. I just, I don't understand why Betty was allowed to be a part of this why at can, all. Why can she go there? They've literally, this store has sold a sex tape of her before. Shouldn't she be recognizable? I, d I mean, we don't know how visible her face was in the child porn that Brett sold of her. Well, we know that her ponytail was visible. Ew, shut up. Ew, 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 ew. So David is like, let me watch this tape. At the front of the store where anyone could walk in. And if it was a real snuff tape, that could have been a real problem. 
problem. He immediately is like, oh, this is clearly fake because it was so bad. And then Betty's like, just wait, I had a, I had a concern about that tape. Let me show you something else. And it's that tape of her dad as a kid. And she's like, this is the birth of a serial killer, the birth of the Black Hood, the birth of my father as a serial killer. And it's like, so not only are you allowed to go, you're allowed to expose your full identity. Stop it. He should know who she is then. And he should be like, wait, you're that Betty Cooper, the one who lives in the house with, oh, my sworn enemy and also the guy from the FBI, Charles Smith. Duh. Also, I feel like she could have walked in and been like, yeah, this is a video of young Ronald McDonald. Like, she could have said anything. There was no evidence in that video that this guy is the Black Hood. Yeah, they're just not actually that good of detectives. Anyways, this video gets her in because he's going to show this film at his, like, film festival slash rave. And it is the most nonsensical public event that has ever happened. I don't understand Riverdale. Riverdale is a place that's so small that it can't even have, like, a real bar, but they have a underground society of people who are just totally chill watching real snuff films, pornography, child pornography, the birth of a serial killer, all of these kind of things. This event, so first of all, it doesn't happen at the Blue Velvet whatsoever, so I don't understand why there's a BV on the effing tickets. It looks like it's in like a warehouse and there's just many rooms where different films are being played, but also it's a rave and also people are in costumes. Most people have these like plastic face masks on. I don't understand why they didn't wear disguises. Well, Jughead actually did wear a disguise. He wore a beanie that did not have the little crown thing and he had his hood up, okay? He looked like practically a different person. Okay, they should have worn identity concealing disguises. So they, whatever, they go into all these different rooms. So they find the room that's playing like a freaking Disney World circular theater, a bunch of different videos of the auteur, and it's playing all these videos, and there's all these, like, creepy people just sort of standing around. Everyone who's at this place looks like between the ages of 15 and 20, and so they're all just standing around with these, like, plastic masks on, and Jughead just starts walking up to people, tapping on them on the shoulder or pulling their masks off and be like, hey, do you know who the director is? Hey, do you- This is not how you find information and blend in. You are supposed to casually go up and maybe maybe stand next to someone for a while, also looking intent, and then just be like, yeah, this is cool, and just start up a conversation. You don't just barge in and start asking questions that if these people knew the answer of who the director is, they're not going to tell you because they're probably going to try to keep that person secret because they're probably like some of the people in the videos since there's so many people in these videos. Jughead and Betty don't understand how you're supposed to conduct like an interrogation or to find information out subtly. It's almost almost like they're high school students and not real detectives. And then the thing is, they're looking, they see the guy wearing the same mask that Honey was wearing in the, like, Killing Mr. Honey video. But it's a mask. How do you know it's the same person? I don't think that it was, like, a one-mask production. Oh, also, you forget the part where someone came up to Betty and was like, oh, hey, you're Ponytail Playmate. And then Jughead punches them, which starts a fight, which is also definitely keeping their cover. I don't, I blocked that out. So they see someone with the mask <laughs> filming them. They start chasing after them. But then we get sidetracked by freaking Jellybean, who's here for absolutely no reason. Her friends heard there was a party. Yeah, so she's just hanging out. And Jughead gets distracted. He's like, Betty, go after the guy. And then we cut to Pops. 
Wait, so did she go after the guy? Did he get away? So she went after him and he got away, I'm pretty sure. But what was wild to me is that Jughead is willing to be like, I'll stay with my sister, you go after the guy. Jughead would 100% be like, you stay with Jellybean, I'll meet you at Pops, and then go after the guy. It made no sense to me that he would allow Betty to go after the guy. Yeah, and also we literally do not get a scene of the guy getting away or anything. We cut back to Archie's fight, and then Archie's fight's over, and then we cut back to this, and they're at Pops. I was like, what happened? So that was just horrible editing. But anyway, so they're at Pops and Jellybean's like, yeah, um, my friend told me about it. I don't know. He was on an email list, like whatever. And Jughead's like, hey, when I go to college, can you please not go to any more X-rated raves? And she's like, yeah, okay. And that was it. Oh, okay. What? It was so dumb. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about prom. So. Of course. <sighs> cute scene with Cheryl and Tony going together. Nana Blossom takes pictures. Let's have some dress talk. What'd you think of Tony's outfit? She was wearing a sort of black sparkly crop top and then like a form-fitting kind of velvety looking bottom portion of the dress. So I am a big fan of these like crop top and skirt looks in general. I felt like Tony and Cheryl could have done a better job of like coordinating their colors a little bit. Like I didn't think that Tony's dress looked that good next to the red. They they looked like their personality, but they didn't look like they tried to dress alike yeah. at all. Like, couple at all. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Tony could, should have worn maybe, like, an all-black situation. Since Cheryl was definitely gonna wear red, it would have looked better. But I'm a huge, huge fan of, like, the long skirts and then the crop tops. One of my, like, friends from high school got married in, like, a crop top, long skirt situation, and it was so glamorous and beautiful. Yeah. I, I liked it. I thought it was cute. Cheryl's dress I was very her. Cheryl's dress. It was a one of those like deep but separated V. I don't know how you describe that. What do you call that? The front and back of the dress are just like full deep Vs. Like it's really just like two straps. bigger straps almost. Yeah. The kind of thing that I like wish I could wear but could never wear. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be really into dress tape for that. And it was sort of tool-ish. It was long. It was very her. I just, it was beautiful. Like Cheryl's dress was absolutely stunning. When she walked in, I was like, <gasps> yes. I gotta say one thing I kind of don't like about all of these dresses We'll get to it even more when we get to Betty and Veronica. I feel like the show has gotten a little boxed in of like, these are cartoon characters. They only wear the same thing. I mean, I understand Cheryl being like, okay, I'm going to wear red. We know that. It's Cheryl. It's her identity that she wears red. But they only put Betty in pink or silver. Those are the only two colors she wears. And Veronica only wears blue and purple. I feel like the pink and silver works so well for me. I mean, it does. And I get it. Like, they literally are cartoon characters. So I understand this. But it's just a little bit like, I went to many... I mean, okay, my friends are going to be listening to this and be like, but Mary, you literally only wear maroon, which is true. All of my dresses that I've ever worn have been maroon, but I'm like Cheryl Well, it's just in that part way. of your identity, <laughs> yeah. Identity. See, and meanwhile, I'm like, I'm much different in that way. Like, if I were to bring out a bunch of my dresses, you would see, like, hot pink, you would see aquamarine, you would see black, you would see white. I have three floor-length maroon prom dresses. Yeah, that's not, again, One of which it's like I've never even talking- worn. <laughs> Oh I never God, will wear because when am I going to have a chance to wear that? I don't know. Hey, uh, you could go to an event. Uh-huh. A gala. Yeah, I could join a society. Anyway, so Hiram is going to pull out the most ridiculous thing ever where he offers Archie a spot as deputy mayor if he stays in Riverdale. Uh, what? That is not <laughs> how you get 
the job of deputy mayor. Yeah, it is. What? Hiram owns that the town. He can do whatever he wants. No. What is going what? on? I d- why would Hiram want Archie to help him? I and mean, this is clearly just a favor for Veronica. And like, yeah. he tried to kill you and lock you up in prison six months ago. It's absolutely the wildest thing ever. But the conversation gets interrupted by Veronica coming out in her dress. She also has a very long gown. It had a pretty decent deep V, I feel like. And I liked most of this dress, but I really hated like the tool on the uh, back on her shoulders. Yeah, I didn't like that. It made her look really boxy and not like herself. Yeah, I didn't like that part. I liked the it's not really ombre, but like the bottom was mostly light blue, but then it had sort of parts of dark blue yeah. when you would swish around, which I liked a lot. It was pretty. Also, Mary and her girlfriend are there. Since when are all the parents just chill with each other? Remember how Hiram literally locked Archie up in prison and tried to kill him recently? Like you know how Archie is like trying desperately to go to the Naval Academy because he doesn't have any other options because he can't go to college because he's not graduating. You know why that's happening? Because Hiram locked him up in prison for several months and tried to kill him. Like, here's the thing. It's prom. And on prom, everybody has to forgive each other and just deal with it, okay? What did you think of Mary Andrews' dress? It was sort of like a burnt orange. If you think I remember anything the parents wear. Okay. thought it clashed a little bit with her hair. But anyway. Okay. So. Oh, and that... Uh, speaking of Mary Andrews and clashing, she tells them to say end game for a photo. Which neither of them say. I thought it was going to be a moment where Veronica was going to say it, but then Archie didn't. But neither of them said it. They just smiled and... Because who tells their high school children no. say end no. game, baby? The role of a parent who has a child who's in high school, who's in a relationship, is to be cautiously supportive and ready to catch them when they fall. Because you should not be putting pressure on a high school relationship of like yeah y'all y'all gonna be together forever right no like that's not how that's not how high school parents act what and that's not how high school couples are yeah but like whatever Ugh. anyway so then we get um Betty. the before prom scene at betty's house which again is so weird that jughead and betty live in the same house and their parents are there and it's like also considering this is one of fp's like last three episodes he had almost no lines and it was really sad he was like boy yeah he did say damn boy which was exactly what I wrote in my notes and then I deleted it because I was like, we can't say the same thing. And then Betty comes in and Betty's dress was like very ethereal. It was good. It was good. It was a pretty dress. It wasn't like, I I think that Cheryl's dress was my favorite. I liked the cut of Betty's more, but I didn't the like the color. The cut of Betty's was good. I think even the color I think would be fine if instead of having like the silver overlay, if it had been more of like how Veronica's dress has like the aspects of darker blue when she right. moves. If the silver had been incorporated more like that, I think that it would be a better dress. I think my issue is that it's very, like you said, it's very pretty, it's very princessy, it's very ethereal, but it's not going to stand out. If you're going to have a group of people, you're never going to be like, oh, Betty, like it blends. It blends with her skin, it blends with the background, it blends, it just sort of blends. But it's pretty. Individually, if she took a picture in a dark meadow with that dress. In a dark meadow. It would be very Taylor Swift. Okay. Jughead and Betty are definitely way more lovey dovey with each other than Veronica and Archie are. Like, they both actually seem to be into the relationship and into each other, which I think is going to make this this breakup hurt even more. Well, and it makes total sense because, like, Archie and Betty had, like, a second of actual feeling, and it was more so on Archie's side because the second 
that Archie tried to make it a thing, Betty was like, no, I'm with Jughead. Betty cares about Jughead. Well, the other thing is we had an episode of Betty going through her past feelings for Archie and thinking about it and being like, here's an actual opportunity I have to be with the kid who I had a crush on my entire childhood. And Cheryl talked to her and was like, yeah, but you and Jughead are like an actual realistic couple and you and Archie are just sort of a fantasy. And she's like, you know what? You're right. I've got something good in front of me. We just had a fight. It's over. I'm back all in on Jughead, which was great. I'm kind of annoyed though, because if you listen to any of our season four coverage, you'll know that there were so many hints they dropped that whole season of like Betty being frustrated with the relationship with Jughead because he wasn't really giving her the time. And Jughead hasn't really changed. I mean, he apologized that one time for yelling at her during Hedwig. And I guess since then, he's just kind of been all in. But like, I don't know, their relationship has been bothering me for a little while. I miss like the original days when like Jughead knocks on her window and she runs over and they have their like first kiss. Like when it was like cute and fun. Yeah, when it was cute and fun. I just feel like now it's like they're at the point where it's probably more realistic. But but you're right. That Jughead would never say, Betty, go chase after the murderer. That Jughead would not leave with Archie and walk to Toledo and then just not even call Betty and not check up on her and she's literally been kidnapped by the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Like, I, I'm, I'm conflicted because in some ways this makes Betty a much more compelling character. She has her own plots and her own behaviors that are completely outside of her relationship. But I'm watching a darn teen drama and I want some romance. And it's just harder to believe when they're not, like, I like them when they're a duo solving crime together. And even now when they're solving crime together, they kind of just like go off on their own way. Hey, Betty, go talk to this guy with Kevin. Do you think they changed it? Do you think this is because that they broke up in real life? No. Am I reading into this too much? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) I need y'all's choice to not be together in real life. You can't mess with my show crushes and y'all need to get back together after the time drop. That's, this is why people should not date coworkers. Yeah. Just don't date your coworker. Yeah. Yeah. Have we had any significant scenes between Reggie and Veronica since they broke up? No, we haven't had any significant Reggie <laughs> since they broke up. True. Man, we never we had Reggie for a hot sec. The most recent thing Reggie did that mattered whatsoever was when he trashed his dad's car. Yeah. That was when they were still together, right? I don't remember. Who knows? That, remember when Honey was a horrible person to Reggie? He was like, haha, your dad abuses you. Let me laugh. Yeah, that's like still, that's the kind of thing this show does because it's like, we need to make Honey a red herring so we're gonna have like a couple scenes of him actually being a horrible person and then we're gonna find out that he's not the bad guy and that he was a good person all along except for those scenes where he wasn't a good person how do you explain that he was not a good person to reggie okay anyway they go to prom Mm -hmm. and they're all super chill about the fact that last year's prom resulted in several child murders literally i can't believe they're allowed well they're not remember honey canceled prom he was like there were so many murders last year we're gonna cancel honey's gone and weather be said okay but the reset okay oh my gosh uh this is so bad okay so reggie puts fizzle rocks in the punch i don't know if this was just like a cute little moment or if this is supposed to mean anything ko is also at the prom which is a little bit weird because he wasn't in the scene of archie and veronica going to prom together so did he meet them there i don't know I guess he must have met them Him there. Him and Reggie are just kind of hanging out in the background. And then we get shots of all the other couples dancing, including the parents and including Thangs and Kevin. Veronica tells Archie that she, oh, this is where it gets intense. So Veronica tells Archie that she wants to defer Barnard for a year so that she can work side by side with Archie while he's like being a deputy mayor. Archie says that he is not cool with that idea and he doesn't want to hold her back, which I do think like partially true. And she says something that also I think does make some sense, which is, 
hey, I'd rather lose one year than be out of sync with you forever. Although I think people are putting a little bit too much stock on like, oh, if we don't graduate college at the same time, it's not gonna, like you're, if you're going to different schools, like one year is not gonna change things. I think that that's the thing where like us now as people who have been out of school for some time are like, yeah, it doesn't matter whatsoever. But like when you're facing going to school, you're like, oh, I would need to like be in this race with everybody else and finish when they do. But even then, like when I went to school, I had several friends who were my age who were dating people a year younger. So they were gonna be a year off. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Are they still dating? Yeah. Most of them got married because I'm oh, old. Gross. I know. Archie tells Veronica that, and he just like out of the blue, he's like, I wrote that song for Betty. I was so happy that he just came out with it and said it. And he's like, yeah, we kissed once during Hedwig. We didn't want to hurt you or Jughead. Well, technically Betty didn't want to hurt them. Archie was like all in for just like dropping Veronica and dating Betty. This was just so uncomfortable. Like we talked about a pre-prom and a post-prom breakup. Where does a mid-prom breakup stand? That's the worst of all, it's right? It's good, but I do think it was the right thing to say in this conversation. They shouldn't have been having a serious conversation at the prom anyway. Probably not. Probably the second that she brought this up, he should have like pulled her to the side. But anyway, Cheryl and Tony win prom queens. And this is the part where I have beef with Cheryl. Cheryl asks the core four to, to join them in the traditional promenade court dance. To which I say, I'm sorry, the core four, but not Kevin and Fangs? If this was supposed to be a moment where she's like, I'm so happy to be queen, but I'm also a good friend now. So I'm going to ask my other friends to join me, but not the two friends who actually wanted to be prom king. What? She's so well, rude. they wanted to be prom king, so wasn't allowed. That was really mean of her. Okay, let's just talk about this. So they're dancing for like 30 seconds. Yeah. The lights turn off. They come back on. There's a video playing. There's a video playing like up on the projector and it's a video of the rave that Betty and Jughead were at. I was half expecting to see like Jellybean, but we didn't really see her. Mm-hmm. Then that sort of switches to another one of these auteur masked videos of Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, Cheryl, Tony, and then I'm gonna say question mark Kevin and Reggie. There's two other people. I assume one is Reggie because Reggie was in the previous videos. Kevin was never in the previous videos, but I'm just gonna assume this is him. Stabbing someone that has David written on a little board on their chest. It's very, very similar to the killing Mr. Honey scene, except that all these people are wearing prom dresses. I'm happy to see that they're not like wearing the exact prom dresses they're wearing or something because how would they know? Here's the part where I get confused. While this is happening, what it looked like to me was that like six to eight kids at the dance are like going berserk and dancing because everyone kind of freezes. Like all the people who were doing the homecoming court dance, they freeze and they're watching this video. When you pause it on the wide shots, most people in the auditorium are freezed and like frozen and watching the video. But there's like six or eight people like weirdly dancing, like dancing like they're at a rave while this music is playing, like they're hypnotized. Yeah, but I think that it's just maybe those are the people that had the most fizzle rocks in their punch. And so then they like hear rave music and then they're like, oh, we're at a rave. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I thought like, oh, is this the fizzle rocks coming back? Or are these kids who were actually at the rave and this is somehow brainwashing them? 
Or are these maybe kids who are involved with this video and they filmed some of it? I don't know. No, I I just don't think everything about these videotapes has been, you know, at a distance. It's never been something that's in person or so personal for them. I don't think that any of the people from the videos would be at a screening of the videos. And if they were, they would pretend that they weren't part of it. Yeah, probably. It's just confusing. So we, we see that there's like a computer hooked up in this projector room that they run to. So whoever put it there had to have either been the auteur or someone else associated with these videos who had access to the school or maybe was at the school or whatever. We don't know who it is. And we get almost no fallout from this scene. We get almost no one reference it. We don't even have a quick little 30 seconds of Weatherby running onto the stage being like, what's that? Turn off the video. Okay, everyone evacuate the prom. Nothing. So again, I just have to fill in the blanks and assume everybody went home after this, except that we get two more scenes in the school. Very chill scenes. Tony and Cheryl have a conversation where Tony says that she has to move back to her Nana's house and can't live with Cheryl anymore. Cheryl says she understands. And Tony says that she's sure they can work it out, that her Nana just needs time. It's kind of heartbreaking because it kind of seems like an end while they're both being very realistic and positive when they're speaking. We see later that Cheryl is crying and saying that she has a feeling that her and Tony won't end up together. She's destined to be alone because of her family's curse. Mm -hmm. And then we have Veronica and Archie who are in the music room. Again, why are they still at the school? This weird thing just happened. Leave here. Well, they were supposed to go to the five seasons and obviously that's off the table. True, true. So Veronica asks whether or not Jughead knows and he says no and they agree not to tell him because they don't want to blow up that relationship either. It's getting out to Jughead somehow. I mean, like he's going to find out whether it's from Veronica or Archie or Betty or something with the videotapes like Jughead is going to find out. Ooh, it was the videotapes. That'd be so interesting. I mean, I the videotape person seems to know everything. Yeah, so. true. Veronica says that we are just going to focus for the next couple weeks. And after graduation, we're going to go our separate ways. No big drama, no fireworks. I'm going to go to Barnard and you can do whatever feels right for you. Do you think he still has the job offer from Hiram or is that canceled now? Uh, okay, well, I think he did up until the next scene we have, which is Veronica back home talking with her mom. She's crying and her mom is like, oh, is it about the video at the prom? It should be. It should be about the video at the prom. That should be why she's crying. But no, she says something happened between Betty and Archie. And you get a smash cut, drop the B music change to Hiram standing in the background overhearing this. Hiram is clearly going to like, definitely not offer Archie this job, possibly try to kill him again, possibly try to punch him. He's like, ooh, I want to Oh, punch Archie's getting guy. punched for sure. Oh, for sure. Hiram, the reason that Hiram first came came after Archie was because he didn't approve of him dating his daughter. We have now come full circle to that. Archie's only protection from Hiram was the fact that he was dating his daughter. Yeah. So then Betty and Jughead go to the video store and there's like a whole setup with like a camera and a sign that says like God is watching. Yeah, that was weird. Which was really weird because there haven't been religious overtones this season like since the farm has been gone. So that was kind of weird. And the mask is there but there's no people there. There's no sign of a crime having occurred or anything like that. So Charles lets them know that there is an all points bulletin out for David. They're going to either find him, wait for the next oh, is video. Oh, that what like that means? 
Yeah. All points bulletin. What does that mean? It's like a pre, like something has been released being like everybody needs to be on the lookout for this person. Because I've heard the term APB, but I never knew what it stood for. Okay, interesting. It's like when they need to find someone, they will put out like a bulletin like, look at this person that we're looking for. Call this number if you find them. Yeah. And they say, well, we're just going to have to wait for David to be found or we're going to have to wait for the next video to be dropped and hope it's not the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then we cut to Archie who goes home finds a video and it's the one we saw in the trailer of basically a masked recreation of him in pops kneeling on the ground with the black hood holding a gun to his head so and that's it that's the episode that was the episode the whole smile god is watching thing that could potentially have farm vibes especially since they just brought weatherby back Mm -hmm. we know that edgar died evelyn is still in prison i don't know Mm -hmm. if she maybe has people working for her i mean maybe she got out of prison we don't know the only other religious toned people were the nuns and they all killed themselves yeah and what happened to um what happened to the other nun the head nun lady she was she was in cahoots with penelope and she was at the whole final night in the woods survive the night thing with penelope i really think she's dead she probably died i don't really remember maybe cheryl shot her with an arrow who knows could be anything Okay, so overall this episode, I would give it, for a premiere, like, I was intrigued. I was pretty much glued to my seat for most of it, with the exception of the fighting scene with Archie. I was interested in almost everything that was happening. I think they actually, while they didn't answer all the questions, I think they covered a lot of ground. They were like, we're gonna start off, give you lots of plots. I have not yet been overly thrilled by the Cheryl Tony plotline. I would like them to do more with that, and hopefully they will. I think, so I think what's frustrating to me is that there were originally supposed to be two more episodes in season four that we did not get because of COVID. And traditionally, the second last episode in a season of Riverdale is where we get a big reveal and we get a lot of information. And this episode had to be like a bridge between that episode and a premiere episode. And so to me, it just felt slower than what I wanted. So I think next week is going to be the one that has like all of the revelations, right? Um, which I'm just going to have to deal with. It just wasn't what I was wanting from the next episode and like I do feel deceived still but I feel better after I feel better after talking about it with you like not like I suddenly like it but I like feel less angry about it yeah I think they probably had to change stuff since they changed it from two episodes to three episodes that maybe they felt like they didn't need to answer all the questions in this one maybe they were originally gonna do it a little differently so let's cover a couple of our segments yes notes the title of this episode climax I just searched Climax movie and the first one that popped up I think actually seemed pretty apt. So apparently there was a French movie in 2018 that came out and the summary of this is, when members of a dance troupe are lured to an empty school, drug lay sangria causes their jubilant rehearsal to descend into a dark and explosive nightmare as they try to survive the night and find out who's responsible before it's too late. Oh, you know what? It works. It works for me. So I'm cool with that. New character, we already talked about him a bit, K.O. Kelly. The description of K.O. from the, I don't know, art Archipedia or whatever it's called. I don't think it's called that. I don't know. Archipedia. <laughs> I don't think it's called Archipedia. <laughs> what is it called? Archieverse? Um, it's River Wiki. Is, is that what it's called? No, I made that up. No, I made that up. Hold on. Let me look at it. I want to get this name right. <laughs> Archipedia. 
Archieverse, Riverdale.fandom. It's called the Archieverse. Uh, Archieverse Wiki. Whatever. That's not as cool. Archipedia. Yeah. So from the Archipedia, it says, K.O. is an amateur boxer and bodyguard. He is Katie's ex-boyfriend. They dated for 10 years before asking Katie to marry him. She turned down his proposal, which put a strain on their relationship, ultimately resulting in their breakup. Wait, so they they don't get back together? They try to date for like an episode after he proposes, but then they break up and then I don't think the show continued long enough for them to get back together. Wow. Sad. Okay. She did. She was dating like some other people. Okay. Did you catch any close Mano cigars? I didn't. I wasn't really trying. <laughs> um, no, I didn't catch a one. They didn't really mention any like, they didn't mention any brands or anything. Okay. Tough question. Okay. Who is the most normal person this week? Okay. I had a really tough time with this one. I So, like, on the one hand... And we are taking people like Kevin off the table who had, like, two lines, right? I mean, Kevin wasn't normal anyways because he showed up to the stupid snuff film situation. Oh, you're right. I think that the most normal person in the episode was Nana Rose. <laughs> <laughs> because she was just very supportive of Cheryl. She took cute pictures before prom. She did all of the things. I guess if we count Nana Rose. I was going to say Tony for people who actually had okay. a part because I feel like when your family members, like, I think it is a normal thing to be like, yeah, my my guardians no longer want me living with my girlfriend. Where? Okay, side note, where did her guardians think that she was living all this time? Yeah, <laughs> like it's the, the, it doesn't add up. I I don't, I am not okay with putting it as Tony because it's like, the whole thing is still not normal. It's not Cheryl because she agreed to be in a snuff film. Oh, it's not Cheryl. It's not Reggie. It's not Because Reggie. Reggie is lacing stuff with drugs and being in the fake snuff film. It's not Betty or Jughead. No. It's not Archie. Wait, could it be? It could be Archie. I don't like it. <laughs> could it be Archie? But like, he's in a relationship that he is one foot out the door of, but he doesn't really know how to end it. He tells Veronica the truth in the end. I mean, it, is it normal to yell at the commandant? I mean, I think it's normal if you're a rageaholic. This may be the only time we ever give it to Archie. I th- I, be- I think we've given it to Archie once before, haven't we? And I feel like it was a big deal then too, but I really think Archie might be the most normal person that is i don't like it it's so hard i don't like it but i think it's true if we're not counting like the parents although none of the parents did anything particularly normal it's definitely not any of the other like main kids i don't think the commandant acted normal because it's weird to like give archie another chance i feel like the parents didn't talk principal weatherby is a wax figure he's so creepy i can't stand him archie received it in season one episode 10, which I believe was the famous Jughead birthday episode. Yeah. Has he ever received it any other time? Archie received it in season two, episode five, which was... It happens from time to time. Isn't season two, episode five? Which one is that? It was the episode we did with Josh Wiggler. (laughs) I don't remember. When a stranger calls. I don't know what Archie did in that episode. Well, maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point. Maybe he was just being normal. Okay, here is Jughead becomes a serpent while the black Hood tests Betty's loyalty. Oh, yeah, this was the one where basically Archie's entire plot was like, hey, Jughead, I don't want you to join the serpents. And then he was a good friend to Betty and broke up with Jughead for her. Yeah. yeah okay. okay that's pretty normal. So it looks like Archie gets to be the most normal person a couple of times. And I, I really just think, like, who else is competing with him for it this time? 
small, small characters, but I think of anyone who actually had any plot. Yeah. In season four, we had to really, really give it to small, small characters because like Mary Andrews won it several times in season four because we just couldn't give it to anyone else. Yeah, because Mrs. Andrews, I'm obsessed. Okay. Just for anyone who cares, our season four dedications, Mad Dog, Hot Caretaker Darius, Jelly Bean, Brett, quote unquote, Douchebag McGee, <laughs> Kevin Keller, Hermosa Lodge, Principal Honey, Pop Tate, Mary Andrews, and Principal Honey. Kevin Keller again. Veronica actually won it once. Nice. Principal hmm. Honey again. Principal Honey won it like three times. Mary Andrews, Brett, Sad Boy McGee, <laughs> Jelly Bean again. I have principles just like Honey. <laughs> Principal Honey won it four times. Cheryl, and then FP Daddy Jones, honorable mention Mrs. Bell. <laughs> See, and the thing is on this episode is I feel like if you're going train wreck in terms of the most normal. Guess what? It was a good season. Veronica won it once and she was the biggest character to ever win it. That's funny. And like for this episode, I feel like if you are gonna narrow it down to like main main characters, it has to be between Archie and Veronica. But Veronica like steals the song and gets like KO to come stay and organizes the whole thing. Like that to me is like less normal than Archie being like, oh, let me show how many push-ups I can do. Ha ha ha. You know? I That's agree. what Archie sounds like to me. <laughs> well, I think this is our old standby of Archie just also really acts like his character, like himself. It's what we've come to expect for Archie. Okay. Yeah. Now, thank you for suffering through all that with us. We are going to now answer some questions from some of our fans on Twitter. Oh, yeah. We have some thoughts and some questions from some of them. Tom Palmer wrote in and said, I know this episode involved the gang filming a snuff film, but can we agree that the craziest thing that happened was Hiram offering for Archie to be the deputy mayor? It's certainly one of the craziest, yeah. It's, I, all of it's weird. All of it's weird. I think that is right up there with Hiram somehow beating his disease due to punching. <laughs> it's a miracle cure to degenerative muscle disorders. Yep. Punch people. He also said, I was ready to hate Tony's grandma for not accepting her sexuality and to complain about that trope in, the, in fiction. But honestly, I think I'm on her side about not wanting her to get involved with the Blossoms. They have a very bad track record, which mm-hmm. I also agree with. Yeah, true. Yeah, they do. Like all of them, including Nana Blossom, as we've seen, have been involved in murders. Patrick Hagen wrote in and said, is the Gargoyle King still lurking around causing terror? I don't think so. I mean, who was who was the last Gargoyle King? The it Gargoyle was, King was, was Chick. Um, was Chick, and he's in jail. Right. So uh, it could be causing terror. We don't know. We we ha- we have no clue what's going on with Chick. I love how they just call in Hard Denton every once in a while. They're like, "Hey, we're gonna need you to really quickly pop in here. We 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 have this idea that we may do something with your plot, but we may not. We just <laughs> need a scene of you real quick." The Gargoyle King was all being directed by Penelope Blossom, anyways, and she's too busy being trapped in the Maple Lodge. So I, I think the Gargoyle King is is currently retired, but could come out of retirement at any time. I feel like he's not going to. Speaking of which, I definitely feel like after the seven-year time jump, we're going to come back to Riverdale and Riverdale is going to be like, hey, it had a seven-year reprieve. Nothing weird happened in Riverdale, just like nothing ever happened before, which makes you think, is it really Hiram who's causing the problems or is it the fact that you gang live here? It used to be the town with Pep. Right. And I just, they want that back. Yes. If Brett Weston Wallace lived there, it would be the 
town with prep. Anyways, so moving on. What's the next, <laughs> next question? Snow. <laughs> Nick Snow wrote in and said, how cute slash unhinged was Archie's middle school style sleepover? I loved it. I thought the sleepover was great. Kirsten found it boring. I thought it, it was, was cute. It was cute, but it was boring. I thought it was really cute. I thought they had a nice conversation. I'm sorry, but I my bar for entertainment is a little bit above two stupid men laying on a blanket. But it was a cute conversation. Okay. Eh. That used to be Jughead's spot. Okay. <laughs> Stop. Oh my God. <laughs> Nick also says, punching and beating up people can cure diseases and get you into college? Who knew? <laughs> yep. Literally, I might just take up punching uh, to progress my career. Yeah. He also says, also, they really laid the groundwork for Jellybean to be quite the problem child when Jughead goes off to college. Not if my prediction comes true, which is that <laughs> she will be gone. FP's gonna take Jellybean and run. We'll see. Yeah, I think Jellybean is, um, in fan fiction, she is typically a character who gets sort of, like, accidentally swept up into the, the wrong side of things and Jughead yeah, has and to Yeah, and I think that's what the that. show is doing, too. It's all one big fan fiction. I guess we'll bring Jellybean into it for five seconds. It's just bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to this. I hope you were mildly entertained. I hope you, I mean, I hope you were greatly entertained, but if you were mildly entertained, then we did just the same amount of work that Riverdale did for you. Please, if you have thoughts or questions or just want to give us your takes on Riverdale, feel free to do that at any point during the week or after the next episode. If you have thoughts from this episode that we didn't answer, feel free to leave us those. Put them on Twitter. If we don't respond right away, it's because we are not looking at them because we don't want to get spoiled until we watch the episode. But feel free to post them and you can tweet that at either me, Frail Mary, or at Kirsten. Kirsten said what? Or you can tweet at or direct message KowskiCast on Twitter at KowskiCast if you want to do that. Also, if you would like to leave us reviews on iTunes or any other podcatcher, that would be great as well. I have a couple that I want to read. Some of these are a little old because we haven't done any Riverdale podcasting in the last several months. So some of these are from during the Yadis of Riverdale. This one is from Rosanara or Rosanara 97, who says, Queens of Riverdale recapping. Always on board for everything Kowski cast. The Riverdale recap is my personal favorite, but any bonus coverage from Mary is always a welcome surprise in my feed. Thank you very Aww, much. That was very thank kind. Thank you. Hope you are enjoying the new season. Air Figaro on iTunes says, Sweet Riverdale content. I'm way behind on Riverdale, but these awesome podcasters are keeping me sane as I wade through this messy show. Hopefully you've caught up. You've had plenty of time to catch up over the quarantine, and and now you can enjoy the season five discussion with us. So if anyone else has any thoughts and would like to get them read on the podcast, also you, as always, are free to write in a impression that you would like Kirsten to do. Uh... <laughs> If you want Wait, her to what? read it. <laughs> Is that a thing? I feel like that's a thing. No. As always, <laughs> you are free to say that you would like Kirsten to read them. It's it's if they put ship names in it, I will read them in a review. Right. You should put ship names in it and then Kirsten will read it. So I really love it when that happens because I use those to bleep her. Although uh, I don't know what I'm going to use to bleep her cursing from this episode. We'll find out in the editing process. All right, everyone. That is all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week for episode two. Until then,
then you can follow us online, like we mentioned, at Frail Mary, at Kirsten Said What, and you can check out any of the other podcasts we do here on KowskiCast.com. That's Cow with a K. We've got Haunting of Hill House coverage from the fall, Twifight that we've mentioned before, and much more. Kirsten, anything else you're up to that you want to plug? Oh, hell yeah. You can see me streaming three times a week, twitch.tv slash Kirsten Said What. That is Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays currently. I also have uh, my new podcast, Bojack Horse Pod. Uh, It is up. It is running. Would love if people could go download that and and help that get off the ground. Uh, And this week, I am going to be on Robin Akiva Need a Podcast for the Hot Takeoff number two. So that will also be a lot of fun. So check me out there. Great. This is fun. I'm glad to be back at it. You know, we it's a it's a new year. It's January. We've got all kinds of resolutions, and mine is going to be to get these out in time. So yay! Let's see how long that lasts. I'm actually better about it when it's like weekly and I have to get it out before the next episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that the goal should be to get it out with more than one day for people to listen before yeah, the should, next that episode. that should be the goal. That should be the goal. <laughs> should be the goal. Mary's like, it came out five minutes before the next episode. It was on time. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, some people like to mass listen to podcasts, they like to binge them, they like to stock them up. Maybe our podcast is better on a binge because I you don't know. know how late it was. I think. <laughs> if, if you listen to on a binge, you certainly understand more references. Like, people who listen to this on a binge are like, yeah, you just mentioned that Target popcorn thing. But in our time, it was probably two years ago. I don't remember when we talked about that. I don't but we, know either. we talked about it today. I don't know. <laughs> it was in the first hundred. We're in the second hundred right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, new hundred, who this? <laughs> exactly. All right, everyone. Until okay. next time. Bye. Everybody has killed everybody. Uh, let me show how many push-ups I can do. Ha ha ha.